tonight, I would like you to open your Bibles to John chapter 17. And John 17 is a very unique chapter in the Gospel of John. It's the climax of the teaching ministry of Jesus. Uh, shortly after he finishes, he heads to the garden and is headed to the cross. So 6, 14, 15, 16, I've read these chapters over and over and over again. I put such value in the very uh, end of Jesus' uh, life here on, on the planet. You know, in 14, 15, 16, and 17, there's hardly a breath uh, it's all red, and, he, and it's just his heart that he's pouring out to his disciples to impart everything that there is left inside of him. And so I put great value on these chapters. 14, 15, and 16 are an uh, accumulation or a thread that is all accumulated in chapter 17. It's like it's consummated in 17. So you'll see the threads from 17 in 14, 15, and 16. He talks about his oneness with the Father. He talks about the oneness that we have with Jesus. He talks about the oneness that we have with one another. And then he talks about our relationship with the, with the world. He also talks about the Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is coming, and that uh, it is to our advantage that actually Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came. So, so many things are in those four chapters, and I really uh, behoove you. It's an old English word. <laughs> you like that, Rebecca? <laughs> to uh, read those chapters. When you get on, you know, some time, just sit down. It won't take you that long. Just sit down and, and listen to what the Lord is saying through those four chapters. Now, uniquely enough... We are taught how to pray for one another and to pray for things. But in chapter 17 of John, we are seeing that Jesus is praying to the Father for us. And he's very, very specific in his prayers. So are you at John 17? All right, we're going to read this chapter. So read along as I say it okay and while we're doing that look for the prayers that Jesus is praying for you Jesus spoke these words he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour has come glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Verse 1 to 6 is literally a prayer that Jesus is praying on his own behalf to the Father. And now he's going in for us. I have manifest your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. 
Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them to, given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I have come forth from you, and they have believed that you have sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them through your name, through whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures may be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They that they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified by truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I, given, I have given to them and they may, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you have sent me. And I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. It's so full and it's so rich of beautiful personal prayers that the Lord Jesus himself has set aside and sits at the right hand as our high priest, ever making intercession for us. Isn't that beautiful? That's out of uh, Hebrews. In fact, turn to Hebrews. Let's see that. Hebrews 7. And it says in verse 25, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's for you and me. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. 
We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary in a true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. So here is our Jesus sitting at the right hand of the father as our high priest ever making intercession for us, praying for us. And we can peek into John 17 and see some of those very specific prayers that are very, very powerful. Did you see any? All right. Well, let's look at the first one. It's in verse three. You probably saw it. And this is eternal life that they may know you. Eternal life is not just a prayer that we pray and ask Jesus to come in our heart. Eternal life is an ongoing acquaintance and knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, we know in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. John 3.16, we probably all can say that, can't we? For God's, go ahead, let's all say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What a beautiful, beautiful scripture, one that we can hook our hat on and understand that God the Father gave us eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's something that we didn't deserve, did we? Did we? That's not, that's not something that we earned, did we? Can you work for your salvation? No. It is a free gift, undeserved favor from God himself. Let's turn to John 3. We're going to look at John 3.36. And let's look a little deeper in this eternal life that Jesus is praying for us. John 3 and verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. I'm sorry, wrong one. Although that is a good one, we probably will come back to that. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides in him. John 5, let's look at John 5, 24. And it says, most surely I say unto you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Let's look at John 6, 47. And it says, most surely I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and I follow them and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given me to given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Doesn't that give you just safety, you know, and knowing that 
what the work of the Lord is, is a sure salvation. Amen. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He said, do you believe that? It's a good question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? See, when you see questions like that, just pause and say, I believe that, Jesus. Interact with the word of God. Interact with the Holy Spirit while you're reading. Because the, as you read this logos, it God's wanting to reveal rhema to your heart so that it becomes you. You have to know who you believe in, what you believe in, and why you believe it. Not just from somebody else speaking it over you. You've got to know it in your own heart. So by interacting with the word of God as you're reading it, it becomes, it becomes you. You believe it. Amen. So much so that the early Christians believed the word of God, that they were willing to give up their very life. Amen. Think about that. I think about things like that. John 17, verses 1 through 3. Come, it brings us right back. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, and your son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is, now he's defining eternal life that we may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ. Now, we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. Amen. He is the one true God. Praise the Lord. So knowing God uh, experientially requires knowing Jesus, who is the truth, in the word of God. You don't get to know Jesus experientially outside of the word. You have to have both. Amen. You don't base your faith on experiences. You base your faith on the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's so important to understand that truth. So what's number two in the chapter of 17? Anybody? All right, verse 11. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them. Keep them through your name, who's those whom you have given me. So we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We are separated by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness, placed into the kingdom of light. Glory, hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can thank Jesus all day long for that. But we're in this world. We still have flesh. But Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I. Christ liveth in me. And this life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. We were crucified on that cross right along with Jesus. Your sins, my sins, and the sins of mankind were nailed to that cross. 
How do we live in this world? I can do all things through Christ. The emphasis is always on Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Turn to John 16. We're going to look at these other chapters and see the threads in them. 16.7, nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away, for I do not go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus said, listen, guys, I'm leaving. <laughs> but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be your helper. And that is very comforting to the, to the people. But look what it says about the Holy Spirit in verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. Isn't that beautiful? Did you ever ask the Holy Spirit, show me things to come? Show me about this? Have you ever asked him that? Do you know that you can? And he will. He says he will. I believe it. He will glorify me. Jesus is speaking. The Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Hallelujah. This is the Holy Spirit. And he's so beautiful. The Holy Spirit is the very spirit of Christ. He came to live inside of you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He is God. And as much as, as, as a son and the father is, the Holy Spirit is God. He is a person. He, is a, he has a personality. He is divine. He has a will and emotions. He can be grieved. He possesses all the attributes that the father and the son have. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, unchanging, and eternal. He's the third person of the Godhead. He convicts you of sin. How many of you feel that scratchiness inside when you blew it and you knew it? Right? It's like, you know it. He's in there. He's convicting you of that. Praise the Lord for that, right? I thank God for that. I'm very grateful that he does that. Not only does he convict us of sin, he convicts the world of sin and their need for Jesus. And that's in John 16, verses 8 through 11. He's given us new life, right? John 3, 6, I think I just read that. Um, the things of the flesh are of the flesh, but the things of the spirit are of the spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to regenerate to bring you into as a born-again believer. The Holy Spirit is a part of that. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same Spirit lives within you. Do you acknowledge that? Do you believe that? Do you declare that? See, this is a part of your becoming more and more like Jesus from glory to glory. It's acknowledging the word of God for yourself personally. Ephesians 4 talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Sid just recently had a sermon on that. It's not a one-time um, thing that we do. It's not a one-time experience. It's an ongoing filling and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We're to percolate 
in the Holy Spirit all day long. You can have as much of Jesus and the Holy Spirit as you want. You can pray in the Holy Spirit as much as you want in a given day. Paul said, I pray more than all of you. And he ended up writing three quarters of the New Testament. There's power in praying in the Holy Spirit. You're, you're praying spirit unto spirit, the very perfect will of the Father. You are praying out. He's using you as a vessel of honor, your mouthpiece to get his will done on the earth. What a privilege. What an honor to pray in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the Spirit. Let your conduct, what you do, what you say, let just walk in the Spirit. And if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. People are trying to clean up their act. All they need to do is just walk in the Spirit. And the act will get cleaned up. Glory to God. It's like the horse properly behind in front of the cart. Amen. Glory to God. I love the word of God. <laughs> Philippians. Let's turn there. You know, Philippians is a book of joy. Paul wrote it in a prison, uh, terrible situations, and yet it's just threaded with the joy of the Lord. If you ever are depressed or discouraged or despondent, just sit down and read the book of Psalms. By the time you're done, you will be so, you'll be doing cartwheels. It's so full of joy. It'll get off on you. It really will. Philippians 3.10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that I've already attained. See, God's not looking for perfection for you while you're in this world. He is looking for growth. Isn't that beautiful? He's not looking for you to be perfect. He is looking for you to grow up and grow in him. I love that. It just takes the pressure off, you know, trying to be something. Anyway, Paul says, not that I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Don't you pay attention to those one things? One thing I do, forgetting what lays behind me, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, if you don't forget the good, the bad, and the ugly, the good are those wonderful times you can erect an idol onto the good things that God's done in your life. If you don't forget the bad, you will never get, you'll never be released from guilt and condemnation and shame and all the things that happen when we make bad mistakes. God said, forget all that. It's all under the blood. Do you believe that the blood is enough? It is. Is it enough for you? What? Okay. Yes, it is. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Paul was not passive. He wasn't dormant. He was a mover. He pressed. He moved. He didn't sit around. He was constantly moving forward in the things of God. He's such an example for all of us. Let's look in the book of Titus. 
Titus was one of Paul's disciples, one of his sons. He calls a son. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. This is how we are to operate in the world. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember, two eyes, eye on your present today, because it's all you have. And I, on that day, you'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to, be, to give an account of the things you did in the body. That day is approaching for each and every one of us. It's an individual time with Jesus. So you can't look at somebody. And I didn't live for you, Lord, because of that person and that circumstance. And because, nope, mm -mm, it's not going to wash. He's going to hold you responsible for what you've done in your body on that day. So I say, let's live today, living it unto the Lord and full, just full of everything and anything that you can do for the Lord. Living godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you. He's encouraging Titus, even though he was young, be about the father's business and don't despise that you're young. Speak forth the word of God and the word will honor you. Look at two, Titus 3. We're going to look at 3 and 7. For we ourselves, this is all for LTS students out there. You're taking notes. I'm giving you all the scriptures for it. Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish. Anybody else besides me? Disobedient, deceived, serving various lust and pleasure. Are we all on the same page? Living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. Guilty as charged. But, everybody say but. But, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Glory to God, the hope of eternal life. In these days, dear sisters and brothers, be a wise virgin. Have your oils, your lamps filled with oil. Don't take a vacation from the Holy Spirit. Stay hot. Stay engaged. Be mindful of what the Lord is speaking to you today. Jesus is praying to the Father that you be in the world, but not of it. Amen. Let's go to John 
17, back to John. Can somebody tell me the next prayer that Jesus is praying for us? Pardon me? Yes, yes, you are correct, but we skipped one. Look at verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus is praying to the Father that you have his joy. Now, that's pretty incredible, because the joy... The Bible says that Jesus had more joy than all his fellows. And there was no human being that was more persecuted than Jesus, had more troubles, more tribulations, more problems than Jesus. And yet the Bible says he had more joy. Another fellow in the Old Testament is Jeremiah 15, 16. Your word was in me, the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. He was a suffering prophet. Man, he had a lot of problems. You ever read the book of Jeremiah? Man, I would never have wanted his job. But here he says, your word was to me joy and the rejoicing of my heart. He found his joy in the word of God. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Jen talked about the strength and what it meant. It's more than just power. It's so much more than that. But joy is like a springboard to strength in your life. And strength brings praise. And praise backs off the enemy in your life because he hates to be around that. So joy of the Lord is so imperative for us to have, especially in these days that we're living in right now. Turn to Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. And it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and you know that veil is very thin. Your loved ones, it's not, they're not far away. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. We should all pray and ask God to help us finish strong, to finish strong in the Lord. That should be important to each one of us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Why did he have joy going into the cross? Because he was looking at you. He looked down through the generations and saw you. You would respond as a whosoever to the shedding of his blood. And that brought him great joy. And because of that, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, thank you for that precious joy. Psalms uh, 1611, and John mentioned this too, in the presence, in your presence is fullness of joy. Well, what brings the fullness of joy? And it tells us in John 14. I mean, it nails it. So let's go there. John 14, and we're going to look at verse, again, that threading that the Lord is showing us. 
uh, John 14, 23, and it says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home in him. Now that's the presence of the Lord. Amen? The presence of the Lord. Isn't that something that we all desire, we all want, is that beautiful presence? John 15, verse 11 through 12. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. God wants us to be filled with his joy. Turn to Philippians, the old joy book, and let's look at chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1. 2-1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort, any love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. This is Paul speaking. Look at verse 16. He said, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad. And I rejoice with all of you. This beautiful joy is a strength. It's a spiritual weapon that we all should desire. And it's a prayer that Jesus is praying for us. That we would be full of his joy. Is that something that you want? Amen. So the next one is actually... Um, before the sanctification one, turn back to John 17. John 17. So the joy one, look at verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now we saw, um, I think I shared it last week in the, um, I'm going to call it now the disciples prayer in Matthew six, where the Lord, the disciples say, teach us how to pray. And he says, all right, well, you start honoring the father and deliver me from evil is what most of us, the majority of us stopped. And that when I said that prayer one day, the Lord said to me, you're missing a word. And I went right to Matthew and sure enough, I was missing the one. And it changed the whole concept of the sentence. Deliver me from evil is a thing, but deliver me from the evil one is a person. And it really is in the, in the text. So we are, we are to ask the Lord to deliver us from the evil one. Now we know John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief or the evil one, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundant. The world has gotten really mixed up. They, bad things happen and they blame God. 
I mean, even uh, insurance companies call it an act of God. Where did they get that? Well, the evil one likes to hide. He doesn't want you to think it's him. But the devil is the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Know your enemy. Know him and his antics. We're not to be ignorant about what he does in our lives and in the, what he's doing in the world today. We're not to be ignorant of it. Luke 10, verse 19. If you turn there, please. And verse 20, it says, Behold, I, this is Jesus, I give you authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, and over all, say all, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I love what he says in the next verse. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I love it how God always puts the emphasis back on Jesus in everything. Don't get all big and haughty because you've got power and authority over the devils and you can cast them out and do this and that. No, it's all because of what Jesus has done in your life. Amen? Jude, the last book before Revelation. And it says in, wow, there's so much of this, the evil one, the evil one. So let's look at 16. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and they and their mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, here's the difference, beloved, remember the words which were spoken be before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God. How do you push back the evil one in your life? By praying in the Holy Spirit, building up your faith, and keeping yourself in the love of God. That's responsibility, isn't it? Keep yourself in the love of God. Jesus is praying for you, and he's praying to his Father that the Father keeps you from the evil one. And now, back to John 17, and yes, it's sanctification. Sanctify us in the truth. So here we are in verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me in the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. First Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Revelations 19.13 says that Jesus is the word of God. 
John 14, 6, Jesus says it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There are not many ways to the Father. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. In these days where heresy and hypocrisy and false doctrine and apostate churches are abounding and getting worse and worse, you have to know in your heart that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and not of error. If you don't have truth, there is no unity. There is no oneness in the spirit if there is error. John 4, 23 and 24 says that we are to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Many, many uh, false religions out there, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, um, oh, the list goes on and on and on. They have truth. It's called leaven. There's a little leaven in all of them. There's a little truth in all of them. But they're not the truth. This is the absolute truth on the earth today. <clears throat> and are you willing <clears throat> to give your life for it? Wow, nobody said anything on that. You thinking about it? You know, I, I said that to the LTS students Monday night. Do you know your brothers and sisters all over the world are giving their life for the gospel? All over the world, China, India, Indonesia, all the Muslim countries, they are literally being beheaded and given their life up for the gospel. We live in an anomaly here in America we don't know what persecution is. Now, we have felt repercussions of it for the last two years with this global pan pandemic. We have. My son, an air traffic controller, was faced with losing a 30-year uh, career with the government by not doing what they mandated him to do. By the grace of God, and I do give the Lord Jesus all the glory and credit, he did not have to comply. But many felt they had to. What is that? Persecution. Amen. All right, so we'll move on. <laughs> but it is. So there's many believers all over the world that are giving their life up to the Lord. And at LTS on Monday night, I said that. Would you be willing to give your life if somebody put a gun to your head and said, renounce Jesus, what would you do? And you could have heard a pin drop. And I thought about afterwards going home. I said, Lord, that was kind of strong. And he said, and what he shared with me was so beautiful. It was a picture of a father and a young daughter, a five-year-old daughter at a train station. And they were getting on the train. They were waiting for the train. And the father and the daughter were talking. And as the train approached, the father pulled out two tickets from his pocket. He put one in his hand. And as a little girl got up in the steps and he looked at the conductor's eyes, he put the ticket in the little girl's hand as the conductor took it from the little girl. 
at the right moment, you will have everything you need in Jesus. That's the grace, the abounding grace that each and every one of us have from the Lord. Amen. It's so beautiful. So Jesus is praying to the Father that you are kept in the truth of the word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25, the longest sermon that he preached, it's called the Olivet Discourse. And he said, the, the disciples came to him and said specifically, what are the signs of the end of the age? Not the last days, because we've been in that since Pentecost. They were very specific and said the end of the age. And Jesus said the first thing, take heed to yourself that you be not deceived. One-time famine, one-time rumors of war, one-time war, one-time pestilence. One time, anything else, but four times in that sermon, he talked about deception. Take heed to yourself. How do we do that? How do we stay on a deception? By staying in the truth, in the truth of God's word and being accountable, being transparent with one another. Amen. It's so important that we be accountable to the Lord. All right, what's the next one in John 17? Verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. The world may believe that you sent me and the glory with which you gave me, I have given them and they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and I have loved them as you have loved me. The Father loves oneness. There's a oneness with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all have their individual functions, but they are one. The Holy Spirit honors Jesus. Jesus honors the Father. And they operate in harmony with one another. That oneness, the Bible says, where there is unity in truth, there is the commanded blessing. John says in 14 that we are to abide in the vine. We're to abide in Jesus. Jesus is praying to the Father that we would all be one in truth, not in error. And there is a big difference. Don't be deceived because the one world government that the one that the Antichrist is looking for is to woo you into believing that because of love, all the religions of the world need to unify. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Glory to God. All right, let's look at the next one. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, verse 24, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Wow. That they might behold my glory.
which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I've known you, and these have I known, and these have known you, have sent me. Glory to God. Jesus wants to share his glory with you. Is that beautiful or what? The glory of the Lord. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 2. Romans chapter 5. Verse 2. Well, let's look at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know, we've been saved. If, you're, if you've repented of your sins and asked Jesus to come into your life, and you, you know, just turn away from the old life that you, you lived and turn toward God and become a disciple of the Lord. You're born again. The life of God has come in you. You're saved. We're being saved. We're being sanctified as we continue in this journey called life. And the consummation of our salvation will be at our redemption when we see Jesus. Amen. It's not once saved, always saved. That's another lie from the pit of hell. And, you know, it's important that we live out what we believed in our heart and, and made witness to before the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're serious with him, he'll be serious with you. Romans 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Hallelujah. Hmm. For the earnest expectation, verse 19, of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was, was subjected, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious freedom, the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies. Am I the only one who's groaning for that? Anybody else? I can't wait to receive my glorified body. Glory to God. Especially when there's some achy pain in joints when I go to bed at night. I'm thinking about this verse. I can't wait for my glorified body, my resurrected body. That's all in our future. Glory to God. I get excited about that. I don't think it's age. Or maybe it is. I'm not sure. Philippians chapter 3. 
Philippians chapter 3. Let's go there. <laughs> Amen. 3.20. You know, my favorite verse in all the Bible is Ephesians 2.7. For in the ages to come, he will show us his exceedingly great kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. We ain't seen nothing yet of the kindness of God. And he's been kind to us our whole life. Hasn't he? Hasn't he been kind to you your whole life? No matter what the mess is that your life is, that, you know, you, you and I both were a part of, doesn't matter about all the wrong decisions. None of that matters. Through it all, he has been kind to us. But exceedingly great kindness in the ages to come. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited about that. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And it says, for our citizenship is in heaven. It's in heaven right now, present tense, our citizenship. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're citizens of heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our, low, our lowly, lowly, that's a good word, lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the workings by which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. No more pain, no frustration, no weakness, no weariness, no disabilities. Everyone's strong and radiant in the glory of the Lord. Do you ever think about that? You wonder why I'm so full of joy? I think about this stuff. This is temporal. It's a breath in the nostrils of God. Boy, when I, when the enemy wants to tamper with me, I just shout about where I'm going. And he leaves. Because he knows where he's going. And I love to remind him of where I'm going and where he's going. And he kind of stays away from me. Amen. Have fun in life. Why not? Second Corinthians chapter 3. I love, I just, I just love it. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You're looking at the glory of the Lord every time you open the Bible. We don't have to wait to the good by and by. You can have it now. Every time you open the word, you're beholding the glory of the Lord. And as you do that, you, we are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. What a beautiful promise. You want more of Jesus? Spend time with him. You want to hear the voice of the Lord? Read him out loud. He's that close. He's that real. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16. Therefore, we don't lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Praise the Lord. Yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. How many of you older? I didn't say old. I said older. People realize you don't age here. Oh, the younger ones are saying that. Praise the Lord. 
you don't age here. We think we can do the same things we did when we were 30 until our body tells us different. <laughs> and what? <laughs> and sometimes you can. That's, that's so true, too. The Lord gives us strength to do it. And yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. See, we're being transformed from glory to glory to glory. We're becoming more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Our become is present progressive. Remember, God's not looking for perfection. He is looking for growth. Verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, temporary, is working for us a far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. See, you're racking up rewards as you be about the Father's business. I'm not wishing to get home until I fulfill everything the Lord wants me to fulfill. I want a full reward before I stand before the Lord. Amen? Even Paul Bless his heart. I can't wait to meet that man. He says, I'm betwixt a rock and a hard spot. I want to go home. But it's more needful that I stay here for you. I want to bless you. I want to love you. I want to sit with you and fellowship with you. And he said, okay, I, that's what I'm going to decide to do. And he did. He stayed longer. It's beautiful. Seeing is becoming. Look to Jesus with a steady gaze and you'll become like him from one degree of glory to another. And that is really our journey. Jesus is praying to the Father that we are being transformed into his image from glory to glory. Hallelujah. All right, the very last one. We've arrived. John 17. Have you enjoyed the journey? John 17 and verse 26. And I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. So the ultimate climax of the Lord's prayer for all of us is love. The agape love the God kind of love. And that love has been shed abroad in each one of our hearts. And it's available. It's not something that you have to get. It is something that you do have to work out. Working out your salvation. Making a choice for love. And every time you do, God is watching and he keeps good books. You're going to be rewarded on choosing love over choosing the flesh. Every single time. If you love somebody, you'll want them to have eternal life. You'll want them to be around forever. Love casts out all fear. Those people that you're thinking about right now that don't know the Lord and that you've been afraid to approach, if you love them with the love of God that is in your heart, you will love them and give them the word of God. You're not responsible for their response, but we are responsible to give the word of God out.
if you love somebody, you want them to have joy because the joy of the Lord is their strength and they need it. They need the fruit of the spirit operating in their life. Happiness is not joy. Joy is there even in trying times because it's a fruit of the spirit within each one of us. If you love somebody, you won't want the evil one to get them. You want them to be delivered. You'll understand the importance of instructing people about the enemy and how he operates in our lives. And we have to be willing to look at that and say, wow, I didn't know I had that, uh, that spirit was working in me. Envy or gossip or strife. All those are the works of the enemy. We can cast them out. Jesus casted out demons. We can do that same thing for one another and our own self. But you've got to be transparent and willing and desiring and teachable for that to happen. Amen? If you love somebody, you'll want them to know the truth. The truth. Philippians 1.9, and it says that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. For the real love to abound, there must be knowledge of scripture and discernment. The lack of doctrinal knowledge and discernment, that is not the love of the Lord. It's a cheap, emotional counterfeit based on feelings. It masquerades Jesus, the real truth. The love of Jesus is based on knowledge and truth. Jesus never compromised truth for love. This is not, this is what the Lord has prayed for us. This is what Jesus prayed for you and I before he went to the cross. And I will say this to finish. Because Jesus prayed these prayers for you to the Father, if you ask Jesus for any of these prayers to be in your life, you are guaranteed 100% to have that prayer answered. Guaranteed 100%. If you want eternal life, you've got it. Jesus already prayed to the Father for you. If you want the joy of the Lord unspeakable, full of glory in your life, you got it. Jesus already prayed it for, for you. If you want the truth so you won't be deceived and get into error, God promises you this because Jesus, your high priest, already prayed it in for you. All of, all of John 17 are prayers that your high priest prayed for you. And you can have them 100% guaranteed. Amen. Father, we thank you so much that you love us so much that you're not willing for us to stay the same, but to be changed in the image of your dear son, Jesus, from glory to glory. And Father, we're willing. We're desiring of this. We want more of you. We see the seasons and the times that we're living in. We see the deception and the error that is going on in the so-called church. And Father, open up our eyes. Cause us to be the watchmen on the wall. 
Help us not be deceived in these times. Help us to be accountable and transparent with one another, giving the life and giving out the word of life and the word of truth. Father, we are so grateful for all these prayers that Jesus, your son, prayed for us. And we're going to be partakers of them. We're not laying them down on the table and forgetting that they're there. No, we're going to actively pick them up and pray them into our life in a greater degree, a greater measure, that we get upgraded in this, that we're not passive, that we're not just standing still, but we're growing, we're moving, we're running the race, fighting the good fight of faith, enduring, possessing our soul, finishing strong in this beautiful journey of life with you, Jesus. That's our desire tonight. If that's your desire tonight, say yes and amen. amen. Now the Lord heard that and he wants to help you. So Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the precious word and the Holy Spirit tonight. We thank you, Father. We are your children and we are so grateful to be called by your name, kept from the evil one in the power of the Holy Spirit. It makes us happy and filled with joy, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you this night. Let's all stand together and let's worship and praise the Father who answers all these prayers for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Karen. How many would say Karen's enthusiastic? Do you know what enthusiastic means? It means filled with the life of God. Enthuse means filled with God. So I think Karen's enthusiastic. I think we all ought to be enthusiastic. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to have a time here for a bit, right? Amen. Let's go ahead, Cass. Together. deserve all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. All the glory, all the praise, any good thing in us, it all comes back to you with glory and praise. We want to thank you tonight. Father, I pray that the seed remains and bears fruit. And if there's anyone here tonight that needs any prayer for anything, please do not leave here tonight without an answer in your heart. 
You can come forth or you can turn to your neighbor. We're all abled ministers of the gospel. We can all pray with you and believe God with you. But this is a family where we take care of one another. So please don't leave without something. If you have something in your heart, please don't leave without it being answered tonight. Amen. Jesus is here. You're here. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. Know that the Lord is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. There is fellowship downstairs. Come and join us in fellowship. Have something good to eat. God bless you. Good evening, everyone. Oh, it's so good to be here with family. You can just feel the love here. Praise the Lord. I'd like to encourage our time together tonight as family in the Word of God and in Psalms, specifically in Psalm 6. Actually, Psalms 5. But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. Let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, you will surround him as with a shield. Say, that's me. Praise the Lord. Well, let's stand together tonight. It's family. And let's worship the Lord. Let's surrender our heart. Let's surrender and submit ourselves to him tonight. Spirit, soul, and body. Father, we just lift you up. And Jesus, we just celebrate your presence here tonight with us. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We thank you for all that you are in our lives. We thank you for the word going forth. We thank you for your presence. We just stand in a position of worship. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. So how many have challenges to overcome? All right, the rest of you that didn't raise your hands, we'll have a altar call later for you. <laughs> So I was just thinking about this week, how wonderful it is to have God's grace to overcome. You know, Paul had his thorn or whatever, and God said, my grace is enough. It's enough for us too. So if you're, something's coming against you, just claim that. God's grace is enough. Amen? Smile at me. Say, yeah, John. It's okay. Okay. You got to let me preach just a little bit now and then.
Hallelujah. You know, God inhabits the praises of his people, right? So as we praise him, he inhabits. And then, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. So that's why he can boldly say, there's joy in the house. Because we praised him. His presence is here. His joy is here. Amen? Amen. So true. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the saving grace of your son, Jesus, who shed his blood on the cross for redemption for whosoever. And this place is filled with whosoever's that said yes and amen to that. So, Father, we just thank you and give you praise. We thank you that Jesus is in the house tonight. And we celebrate you. We thank you for who and what you are in our life. King of kings, Lord of lords, redeemer, deliverer, healer, savior. We honor you tonight, Jesus. Have your way in our hearts. We surrender ourselves before you tonight. We thank you for this night. Holy Spirit, come and be and do as you will. We thank you so much in advance for what you're going to do tonight. We love you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. One way amen. we love God in this house is by loving one another. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. And the children are dismissed tonight to their classrooms. Well, good evening, everyone. Isn't it good to be able to come into the house of the Lord with other like-minded believers? And, you know, just leave whatever you dealt with that day behind. And come in and receive encouragement and tools to grow. Such a great opportunity that we have. Well, we'd like to welcome you if you're here for the very first time. Could you just raise your hand so we can acknowledge you if this is your first time to Church of the Word? We're so glad you're here tonight. Thank you for coming out. All right. Well, we're going to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. If you're giving by credit card, you please fill out all of the blanks. And if you're making out a check, you can make it out to CWI. Well, returning the tithe, as we said before, it's a demonstration that you believe God is your source, that you look to him to be your provider. You know, the word says that he sustains all things by the power of his word. Amen. It's by him. In him we live and move and have our being. He is our strength. He is our ability. He has every resource you could ever need. It comes from him. So... As we return the tithe, I just felt led to encourage you in that God is our source. God is trustworthy. And so I want you to turn to Isaiah tonight. Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to start in verse 27. You know, have you ever been tempted to think, you know, God must have, I don't know, overlooked my situation. He, he it missed him. He doesn't know. Does he, even, does he even see what's happening down here? What I'm dealing with? I'm so alone. Well, Isaiah 40, verse 27, says, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? Now, remember, we're adopted sons and daughters of Abraham. So this is us. 
Why do you complain? Why do you say, my way is hidden from the Lord? He doesn't even know about it. He doesn't even see it. It's hidden from him. You ever felt like that? My cause is disregarded by my God. So it's bad enough feeling like he doesn't see your situation. It's even worse. Well, he doesn't, he saw it and he just disregarded it. Doesn't even care. Well, let's hear the reply. Reply, verse 28. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Look, he made you. You don't think he doesn't know what you're going through? You don't think he's aware? He's made everything from A to Z and in between. Nothing has escaped him. The creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary. You know, he doesn't ever fall down on the job. He is always up to the task of being God. All right? He doesn't wear out. He hasn't had a long day, and his nerves are frazzled. And you know what? He just, that one that's happening to you just got by him, and he don't know about it. That's not ever the case with God. His understanding no one can fathom. All right? So he, he can, his comprehension is so beyond us. All right? Verse 29. This is more, this is more part of the answer. That answer to the question of, does God even see me? Does God even see what's happening? Because we're really, we're talking about him being our source. We said, you know, we return the tithe as an acknowledgement that he is the source. He is the sustainer. So do you believe that? This is speaking to this. Verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Now, when I go in to study something, I always, you know, look into the original language and what, what is it saying and what's, what is there. You know, this word strength, it's more than, I mean, we look at that and we think strength, okay? It, and it does include that, but it, the scope of it goes so much more beyond uh, the natural. It encompasses much more. It's resources. When I look this word up, it's resources and ability, wealth, substance, fruits. You, know, you could say whatever um, answer or resource you need in the moment. And, okay, here's, here's one that I saw, and I've just been pondering about this because I just thought it was so cool. When I looked up this word, and this word is actually seen... Further down um, in verse 31, well, it's the same word. It had this, it said lizard chamelon. Now, am I saying that right? C-H-A-M-E-L-O-N? Okay, thank you. I guess I need to go back to English. So, th- what'd you say it was? Chameleon? Okay. It had that word chameleon there. Okay, I don't know how to say the word, but I do know... <laughs> That this is a lizard that adapts to its environment to survive. Okay, this just really intrigued me that this word was there in this, that we translated this word strength. Okay, so it can change color. It can change, it can have, um, what does it say, like fangs or, or horns or stuff that can come out and just, I don't know, whatever to, that it needs in the moment to fight its enemies. What was some other things? Oh, a tongue, I, I think. A tongue can go real far or something. And it's all about 
being able to survive and, and be able to adapt and change to whatever I need in the moment. And that's in this word. This look beyond, look beyond that he just, okay, you're feeling tired today, so okay, the Lord increases strength. No, it's more than that. You know, when he provides money for a bill, that's him adding strength to you. When you have healing in your body, symptoms that disappear, that's him adding strength to you. When you have answers and wisdom to a relationship issue, that's him increasing strength to the weak. I mean, I could go on and on, but I want you to see that, that this word is being able to get the resource across to you that you need in the moment. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. In other words, no matter what your natural abilities are, no matter what talents you have or or advanced, think you know, if you think you've advanced yourself and got all this learning and whatever, no matter what you have in the natural, it's going to come to the end of itself at some point. You are going to need somebody beyond you. And that's what that's saying. But those who hope in the Lord, see, that's, that's where it's at. And that's our part, you know? Those who don't trust in all this stuff that is not trustworthy, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And that, that's that same word that we talked about in verse 29. In other words, they will have this availability to resources, whatever they need in the moment, whatever it may be, whatever situation, he can get that across to you. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See, our God is our source. He is our sustainer, no matter what you're facing. So as we return the tithe, I just wanted to stir you up in that, that this is a demonstration that I believe, Lord, you're my source. And I'm, I'm trusting you. You know, the, our part is my hope being in him. You know, that I had that confident expectation that he will come through for me and his word is true for me. All right, well, let's take a hold of your tithe and let's pray. Lord, we just present you our tithes tonight as a demonstration that we believe that you are our source. And we thank you for being such a good provider. We worship you tonight, Lord. And we just thank you for the ways you have cared for us time and time again. And we just call out for those that might be believing you for answers, that they need resources and Maybe they need wisdom on an issue. Lord, I just thank you in advance that it's on the way, that you will meet them where they're at. And as they put their hope and their trust in you, you will be a sure foundation and that you will be their refuge and strength. We just give you all the praise and the glory for this in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will give to the Lord. Also, ushers, as soon as you're finished with uh, passing the baskets, you can come right back in and, I don't know, wave at me or something, and you, <laughs> we're going to have you go ahead and pass the baskets for the missions offering. All right, a couple things in the bulletin. So we mentioned last week that we're having a resurrection weekend meal here at the church before the service. That's going to be at 430 
And we are asking you to sign up if you plan to be here for that, if you're going to take part in that. Um, CWI is going to provide the chicken and the green, no? What do we, ham loaf. I'm used to chicken with the Christmas party. <laughs> ham loaf is awesome, though. Anybody here for the landmark? It's it's same place. It's going to be really, really good. So ham loaf and green beans is going to be provided. And we have a sign-up sheet in the back that you can sign up and bring one of three dishes, potato dish, applesauce, or dessert. What? Did I miss something? Okay. I got good ears. Um, also, there's a sign-up sheet in the back if you're planning to attend the Ghana Initiative uh, auction in high tea. And that's going to be an awesome event, too. You're going to want to partake in that. So sign up in the back is there. I wanted to mention, um, as many of you know, that we've had multiple needs in our body. There's been people that have had an individual that's had surgery. Um, babe, let's see, we have a baby. Oh, Jill's not yet. Jill's still here, right? Yeah. Okay. I was, okay, I know, uh, let me tell you where my mind was going. I knew that Jill is soon to have a baby. So I was adding that to the list in my mind. Um, we also are providing meals for Anastasia's baby's caregivers. So as you know, Anastasia is still facing challenges in the hospital and her, yeah, her caregivers. So we're wanting to get some meals to them, just show the love of God to them. I'm not even sure if they're believers or not, but this is a great opportunity for us to um, be the family of God to Anna, to those who are caring for her baby. So I wanted to bring this out because there's a lot of needs, and there's Jill soon going to be having a baby, so I'm just encouraging you to go on Facebook. Um, if you're not on Facebook, talk to Debbie, and let's participate, and let's sign up. There's going to be a lot of meals needed. Even if you can give gift cards uh, to uh, restaurants, that'd be helpful. All right, baskets are back in. Let's go ahead and pass those. Oh, cash envelopes, thank you. Who needs a cash envelope for your missions giving? And whatever you memo on these, 100% of that goes on to the missionary or ministry or alms, if it's an alms you have, 100% of it goes on, If you, but you do need to memo that. I did want to mention, not mention, exhort you in this. So I was thinking on the missions offering, and I was reminded in Philippians where Paul was talking Yes, you can go ahead and pass them whenever you're ready. <laughs> Philippians 4.13, he said this. We know this verse. says, I'm able to do all things through him who gives me strength. And I thought of, you know, where I was reading in Isaiah, how that tied together. But he says, then he goes on and says, but you did well. I'm reading from the BBE. You did well to have care for me in my need. So what he's saying is, is that, the offering, because he went on and was talking about the offering they had collected for him, he's saying that this showed that they cared. So our offerings, our donations that we give to individuals or missions or ministries is a demonstration that we care. So I just wanted to encourage you in that, that we show that we care. We show that's us um, participating in what God's doing in their lives, and it's a way that we can show that we care. So as many of you know, there is a group, and I just want to say, keep praying. Pastors, what's that? We can pray. That's right, you can pray. 
and I believe they're being able to distribute supplies and food and other things. So be in prayer for those, for them that they have protection. Pastor Sidney, he'll be home on Friday, and I thought I would share this. You know, he had prayed specifically. It had kind of come up on the inside. Not that there was fear, but there was like just an alert that he needed to pray through. Because, see, the last time he, that he was there, the secret police beelined right for him. Like they were watching for him when he got off the airport. And he just, he just didn't want that to happen again. And so he, we prayed specifically that he would be hidden. And you know what? He got off that airport, and it was like he was anyone else. Nobody even looked at him sideways. So give God the glory for that. All right, Karen, will you come and you can pray over the missions offering and the service, and we're going to hear the word of the Lord through you. Amen. Through Jesus, hopefully. Well, you're the mouthpiece, right? Amen. (laughs) Thank you for obeying the Lord tonight and coming. Uh, Hebrews, it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself with other believers, even as the day approaches. So thank you very much for showing up. Amen. God's pleased with that. Father, we do thank you for the tithe, the offering of the people here tonight. We ask you for 100% return on it when we need it, Father. We thank you that our giving always goes out into our future. When it's needed, it is given. So we thank you, Father, for your provision that's always laid up before the foundations of the earth as we obey your word. We thank you, Father, for the men who are um, traveling and are overseas being about your business. We thank you for your protection, your provision, the very wisdom of God, your favor, and that they are in the right place at the right time doing the right things with the right people. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in them and through them. In Jesus' name, amen.